very interesting court case that um, resolved or came to a conclusion uh, last week. Cameron Ortis was once a rising star inside of the RCMP. Uh, In 2016, he was made Director General of the RCMP's National Intelligence Coordination Center. Prior to that, he had spent years with the Forces Operations Research Group. That's the team that gathers evidence on things like uh, terror cells, organized crime, cyber criminals, you name it. So his world was police intelligence. Well, last week he was convicted of selling or at least putting together plans to sell that information to various alleged criminals, the people that were subject of the intelligence. So um, he was convicted of four counts of breaching Canada's official secrets law, one count of breaching trust, and one count of misusing a computer system. Okay. Well, the Crown wants a prison sentence here of at least 20 years. His lawyer says he is shocked by the conviction at all. Doesn't think there should have been a conviction here. Says he has plans to appeal. So let's get into this with Dan Stanton, former executive manager at CSIS and director of National Security Program uh, at the University of Ottawa. Dan, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being here again. Oh, my pleasure. Good morning. This is quite a case. Now, I, I think the reason it's so shocking to so many people is because of the position that Ortis held, right? I mean, Director General of the RCMP's National Intelligence Coordination Center, that's about as high up as you can go within that organization, isn't it? Yeah, you you can't get much higher other than, you know, the, the upper echelons of the assistant directors of the, of the RCMP. It's uh, not much further higher. So what we find here is he actually, I mean, according to some of the documents that came out after trial that the jury never actually saw was a plan that he put in place, right? Uh, And basically it's gathering this information, putting together files, and then reaching out to some of the subjects of the intelligence and what, offering, you know, to give them the info in exchange for cash? Yeah, it, it seems if you want to look at it in an optimistic way, it, it's a good news story, and it is in the sense that he was stopped probably just in the nick of time, as they say, before he was right. going to send something. Uh, the, the, the item he actually sent, as you indicate, you know, it's policing intelligence, and it went to a gangster, basically. That in itself isn't the end of the world. I mean, it's significant. And we know that he was looking to engage these other sort of Iranian-linked money launderers and then at some point maybe selling information on undercover and that. But a lot of the material he had at home that he brought home and encrypted, it's on the public record that there's only a percentage, I think 30 40%, that the RCMP forensics actually decrypted and examined. And he even had some business cards from an embassy. So it looked like he was about to send something and um, and was contemplating it. And so this could have been disastrous, is what I'm trying to say. And so in a way, it's kind of a good story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, because as you say, I mean, he had business cards from diplomats at a Chinese embassy. So maybe yeah. he, was, he had some designs on that. Um, now, he's not really disputing the fact whether or not he had communicated or, or had put together this. But he said he was on his own sort of secret mission, like he was trying to lure these targets yeah. into a trap. I mean, that was his defense, right? Yeah, it's it's also known as nice try. I mean, it's it is. I was kind of taken aback that the defense would come up with a strategy like that. But I guess there was a belief, maybe with a jury, that somehow they could buy into this. Uh, that I mean, he'd have to have written direction from seniors saying we want you to do this, yeah. basically. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, that was proven to be uh, untenable, really. That That's the thing. You're not going to be in a position where somebody working for the RCMP or actually running the RCMP intelligence yeah. division is going to launch some secret mission on their own uh, to no. try and lure in targets. It just doesn't work that way, right? No, you don't do that. I mean, I worked security intelligence, you know, 31, 32 years. And, I mean, we had all sorts of operations underway. You You don't do freelancing. These are all, you know, carefully uh, managed and policy compliant uh, efforts. And you don't just have someone go over and decide to uh, leak leak what they choose will entice someone in that milieu. Someone who might already be under surveillance or targeted or could even be cooperating. So, I mean, it's. It's ludicrous. So in, in evidence that actually, like you say, never it didn't go into trial, but we found out about it after the fact. Um, uh, it was made public after the verdict. We find out that, you know, he'd been spending weekends in the office. He'd created computer yeah. files. It sounds like he had a whole plan. Like, this wasn't a one-off. He'd spent months working on this, right? Like, he had a detailed plan in place. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, uh, I, I teach a course on insider threat, and I do a lot of consulting on it. This is leakers and moles. And they, they're not capricious. They plan these things months, years in advance. I mean, Snowden was downloading material six, seven months before he did that runner in Hawaii and ended up in Hong Kong. So they're, they're, they're very prudent. It's calculated. And whatever motivated him to do that, it, it wasn't like the 11th hour he decided to just, you know, burn the place down. He had planned this out uh, and uh, very methodically. When we speak of intelligence, espionage, and this isn't, I mean, obviously, but what is the potential when you talk about somebody within the RCMP? I guess it's the same sort of a world, but is is it the same level of risk? Is there the same amount of potential money that he could be made by offering this to, you know, cyber criminals, money launderers, those sorts of things? Is it a different level than international espionage that we typically think of? Yeah, it, it is in a way. I mean, it can be very damaging to those, you know, I would say more policing criminal investigations that they and their counterparts uh, in other countries like the U.S. were doing. So that itself can be damaging. It's not in the belly of the beast intelligence of, you know, Russian intelligence yeah. services, China and Iran and things like that, where he's com- compromising, like, for example, Mr. Delisle, who uh, Canadian former uh, sub-lieutenant, who provided very sensitive information to Russian intelligence for three or four years. Um, that's damaging. That's, that's far more damaging than what um, Ortis uh, 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 did. He could, though, have done something more. He probably, in my opinion, would have ran into some trap lines and surveillance that was already out there if he was trying to engage a foreign hostile state. Uh, he might not have known that. Uh, so he kind of picked targets that he figured he knew, for example, the RCMP didn't have warrants on some of these individuals in Toronto. In other words, they couldn't pick up his communication. So he sort of picked people that I think that would be able to furnish money to him, but he might be able to get away with this. And he made a mistake of sending a document to someone who was already under surveillance. So, I mean, the Crown looking for a 20-year sentence minimum. They'd like to see even more. His lawyer says, no, there shouldn't even be a conviction we want. Is there any precedent? Like, I can't, I was thinking about this. I don't know if a, a police intelligence case is something that I have remember covering before. Do we have any idea what the consequence might be for this? No, it, it, it's, it is a bit unprecedented in setting because the last time there was a jury trial 
on a national security, let's call it leak like this, was they were leads for the Gazinko case in the late 40s because it was a jury. Okay. That's how long ago wow. we had something like this. Delisle, he pleaded guilty, so it was easy. And then there were some acquittals in about the last 10 years of a couple of cases, simply because of some disclosure issues. So I myself can't recall anything in this domain we had. But, it, but you know, the fact that it may be more policing information, he would have had access potentially to all sorts of intelligence that the five eyes, as we call it, would have it. And that's probably the bigger concern. What did he see and what did he store at home uh, that that potentially could have been exploited? And it shows lack security at the National Security sure. Director of the FDMP, how he was able to just walk out the door, do de doo doo and bring all that stuff home. And nobody noticed. That's, that's what's really bad. I wanted to ask you about that. Okay, I, I understand he's the he's the director general, so he's he's top dog. He's probably making, but there's got to be some sort of framework that goes beyond any one person within the organization and says these are the rules we operate by. So even if you are the director general, you can't get away with stuff like this. So are we going to see some overhaul, some changes to security around the RCMP intelligence unit? Yeah, I would hope there would be because uh, they they have to do that. They have to make it like uh, CSIS, like CSE, like Canadian Armed Forces to a certain extent, where you have a five-year update interview and most likely a polygraph examination. Uh, I worked at CSIS and part-time or contract CSE. They have random searches. There's a level of scrutiny that will be commensurate with your security clearance. Sure. So the higher up you go and the more access you have, the more responsibility you have, you are subject to that. In the RCMP, it was the opposite. The higher up you went, particularly in that directorate, the more, I guess you could say, free reign you had. And that's what has to change. And it has to be on par with other Canadian departments. And it has to be under par with the way our allies do it, whether it's the military, whether it's the CIA, whether it's NSA. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, Dan, great conversation. Thank you so much for your insight. I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, my pleasure. That was great. Thank you, sir. Dan Stanton, former executive manager at CSIS and director of the National Security Program, University of Ottawa. Yeah, something broke down here um, in a big, big way, but uh, Cameron Ortis convicted on four counts of breaching Canada's official secrets law. And as I say, the Crown Prosecutor is looking for a 20-year sentence as a result.